Welcome to Scandinavian Mind Weekly, our show about the current trends and events within business, tech, fashion, design, culture and more from the Nordic perspective of our team of editors and contributors. Today on the program, the Vatican is launching an NFT art gallery. What is that even? We talk about that. Also, Spotify launches its own island in Roblox. We talk about what that means for music in the digital space. Also, we hear from the senior researcher of the Finnish wearable brand Polar, Mr. Jussi Peltonen. Uh, Polar celebrates the 45 years in the wearable industry this year, and we met them in Helsinki this week. I'm Conrad Olsen, editor-in-chief and founder of Scandinavian Mind, and I'm here today with my dear colleague Erik Sedin. Uh, uh, only, not only, that's 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 a lot, but we are missing Roland. <laughs> How are you, Eric? Oh, I'm good. And it's true. I don't really feel whole unless the whole trinity, the holy trinity is here. So, <laughs> so it's exactly. only us two. So uh, lots to talk about uh, this week. Uh, I have been traveling to Helsinki. Always nice to be out traveling. Uh, our colleague Yuan is also out traveling. He's in Berlin. You have a trip coming up to Paris next week. So I really feel like we are out and about uh, this month. Yeah. It's like you said, the, 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 everyone has just decided that this May and this June is just like everyone's going somewhere every day. Doesn't yeah, matter. and I think it's a, it's a struggle for uh, a PR and marketing departments everywhere because now they want everyone to be at their event uh, <laughs> exactly. these couple of months. But but before we go into this the stories this week, I think we just should just plug uh, a big story survey that we, that's up on on scandinaviamind.com. Uh, this week, it's by our contributing editor, uh, Oliver Dahle, who is has done a, a very impressive, ambitious survey of how the world's biggest fashion universities are adapting to digitization. This is a two-part series. Uh, we published the first part this week. Uh, Eric, you've been helping Oliver with editing this. Uh, what can you tell us? So yeah, like I said, it's going to be a second part too. So it'll be really great to have Oliver on here for when that comes out to get his whole uh, general view of this theme. For sure. But yeah, so like the first part here is uh, four quite uh, famous universities if you're into fashion. It's uh, Royal College of Art in London, uh, Polymoda in uh, Florence, uh, Via University in Denmark. I think it's in uh, Aarhus. Mm. And then our uh, Swedish... um, uh, version that is Swedish School of Textiles in Borås. So basically, they all you have lecturers, you have their professors, and you have their head of fashion or head of uh, education that answers kind of the same questions of what are you doing and how are the students adapting to digitization mm. in uh, in fashion. It's, it's really up our alley, something we've been talking about a lot. So it's really interesting to see where it comes from a seed perspective, when seed is planted and when these students and all these fashion people are, where they get their education, how, how, how supported are they in their, like if they're in, if they want to go fully digital or not. Mm-hmm. Now, super fascinating. Interesting, interesting to see uh, the answers from, from these institutions. Uh, I'm happy to see uh, many examples uh, from students actually creating fashion uh, mm. uh, in a, in a dig, purely digital setting. Um, they that uh, there's there's reports from 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 Swedish School of Textiles that they're actually showing them uh, AR VR technologies and and so forth. But it, it's kind of obvious as well that 
they are there's a sort of a hesitancy or at least uncertainty as to where how much they they mm-hmm. should go into this and and what exactly their role is going to be uh in within digital fashion yeah and uh, you know it could be my prejudice but i just thought that for example polymoda you know like the <laughs> conservative italians would be like no we don't want anything with this but the, the director of the school uh, massimiliano dionetti i think mm. he's doing other stuff too He's really like, he just said in this text how all the brands that are coming to work with us, they are the ones that are so, they are the ones that are so interested and, and the students do. So we kind of have to adapt to them. And Polymoda, they have a four-week course called Fashion for the Metaverse, mm. which is quite clear. Uh, really interesting. And then I also thought it was interesting how uh, the Royal College of Art, how uh, Zoe Broach, the head of fashion there, she said that uh, it was kind of bubbling before the pandemic, but then, you know, the UK had such strict restrictions during the pandemic. So she was like, when everyone was just sat at home and we couldn't go and sit at a sewing machine, we couldn't go and, you know, do some measurements on a on a mannequin. Everyone yeah. kind of had to, even the teachers and the whole school. So now mm. she's like, and one quote she had, I thought was really interesting because she was kind of blown away by all these projects that the students handed in. So she said, uh, I'm gonna, I'm just going to read a quote here. She said, uh, and I think that the designers of the future are not just going to be designers of fashion, but designers of identity. Because she was so impressed by what, uh, how these, how the fashion was genderless. And she could, like we've talked about before, could be a dragon coming in their clothes on. So fashion designers will kind of have to adapt to identity designing too, mm. which I thought was really interesting. I think this goes to the heart of what we've been talking about at Scandinavian Mind. Yeah. It's in our third issue. It's in the uh, the lecture that that uh, I've been doing uh, for fashion brands here in, in in Stockholm. And the reason we're doing this is because we are are continuing our uh, work in the digital fashion space. We're going to release a report later this year uh, on this topic and and this survey of. Um, the international you know fashion institutions the educational institutions is going to be part of that and mm. uh, i think what you just said that, that this is about identity is is really at the heart of why this is interesting i find it also very fascinating that it's it's driven both by the the creators the the young generation of designers we've seen that uh, we we've covered marie isaacson for example uh, a graduate of, of Beckmans, um, and and also I think the the, the university in London, uh, but also from the the fashion industry. So the, I think the brands are seeing uh, that this is going to be uh, a big business. Uh, yeah. You know, there's no two ways about it. Fortnite is selling skins for billions of dollars. The fashion industry, they want their a share of it it's it's their sort of home turf and the creators wants to get into this as well so it, it's just interesting to see these where this is going yeah and also like these people are saying here in, in this survey it's not all about this whole direct avatar thing it's also it's really important for talking about shipping costs and sustainability you know sample production fit and sizing and you know using these new technologies to just as you finished the very last piece of that piece of clothing Every step before that, you can use digital tools to not just waste materials. So mm. being able to being a fashion student and learning these uh, these 3D programs is, uh, is amazing for them when later when because I'm pretty sure that these big brands will kind of demand them to design everything firsthand in, in 3D programs until the very last step of production. Mm. 
Anyways, it's our per first uh, part of our big survey, how the world's biggest fashion universities are adapting to digitization. It's written by our uh, editor-at-large, Oliver Dahle. A second part is coming out, and we'll definitely have him on this podcast to, to talk about his yeah. uh, findings. All right, moving on in other news and other uh, parts of digitization in the world, the Vatican, uh, of all, <laughs> will create an NFT gallery to, quote, democratize art. Uh, Eric, you've been looking into this. What's what's happening, yeah. really? It's a fun short story, but uh, same. My prejudice about uh, Italians being <laughs> conservative and <laughs> physical is just going out the window. Even the Vaticans are doing it, but... Uh, I just thought it was funny because it's uh, it's uh, the initiative is from Father Philip Larry, so it's from a father at the Holy See, mm. and he's the chair of logic and epistemology at the Pontificial Lateran University in the Vatican. Good and he's job. Also, Good job reading that. Yeah, he's the chair of logic. That's pretty cool, and he's the dean of the philosophy department. So. I guess I'm not so sure about the Holy See and the Vatican, but they have a, a philosophy department mm -hmm. and. Uh, I guess he's the one pushing for digitization there. I love that his title is Share of Logic. It's <laughs> yeah, like they're like admitting the rest of the Vatican is not about logic. We have we no, have no. one guy taking care of logic over here. I know. It's so <laughs> it's so strange. And it's it's just kind of it's kind of a banana republic, I guess, when you hear all these uh, all these um, etiquettes. Uh, anyway, so uh, you know, the Vatican they're sitting on amazing uh, art pieces from mm. the 16 uh, 16th century over 800 of them and you know they have from everything from michelangelo to Raphael, and also some modern ones like uh, kandinsky and van gogh but i think what they're saying here is this is a quote here so they're saying this is not for any commercial purpose not for making any money it's only for for a social purpose it's uh, it's going to be free and it's going to be a way to democratize art, like you said. Mm. So they want more people, no matter of socioeconomic background, no matter of geographic place in the world, they can come and check out these uh, these art pieces. So kind of, I'm guessing they're just going to do a digital gallery. So in the, And they're also not really saying so much about how the NFTs will come into place. Uh, one quote is that they're saying, also the NFTs don't necessarily have to come in form of artworks. They can also include tickets and other objects. So it's kind of unclear what they're doing here. I think they might just use the NFT as a buzzword. Mm. I'm not sure, but it's still it's a funny it's a funny headline. Yeah, maybe the chair of logic also realizes the logic of, of taking a, a, a the the message of this. You need the the buzzword NFT in the headline to <laughs> to have guys like yeah. us talking about it. I think yeah. it's fascinating. I think it's the first time I've seen an NFT product. That's not about selling stuff. I mean, NFTs yeah, obviously yeah, yeah, has been mostly talked about as this kind of financial instrument for for selling art in the digital yeah. space. But they're talking; their approach is different. And I guess it's 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 uh, in a way there's there's some kind of scenario where you still want these pieces of artworks to be secured in a way. By I mean, the Vatican is actually owning these works of you know Kandinsky and Van Gogh and and you know. Michelangelo and Raphael and all these kind of iconic works and mm. I think maybe they, they need to create the NFTs just to secure them who knows and uh, you know it could also be a bit fun I guess like so any kind of, like it's like a museum visit like oh look I own a part of the Vatican or I own like a 1000 part of this old painting yeah and the thing is, like I said, the NFT could be the ticket. So I know it could be like, you, you know, you can sometimes you, you use it memorabilia, you save your ticket mm. for a museum. 
could be this way. Like you get a ticket to go into this virtual museum, even though we can't travel there. And then you get to keep it as an NFT. Like, hey, I visited the Vatican Museum. Yeah, I feel like we kind of are murdering uh, Roland's own topic here. Uh, (laughs) He's obviously the host of our Konst Art Podcast. I think they actually mentioned this in a previous episode. uh, And we'll see what he he thinks of us bringing this up. Maybe we're... we're, (laughs) Uh, way way uh, way late on this one uh, and I think uh, there is a new episode of Konst coming out next week so we'll see yeah. if he mentions this uh, then as well yeah. uh, alright moving on in the digital space uh, around the world uh, news broke the other day that Spotify Island is coming to Roblox so uh, it's a, a kind of a Spotify world They are calling it a paradise of sound where fans and artists from all over the world can hang out and explore a wonderland of sounds, quests, and exclusive merch. Have you looked at this, uh, Eric? What do you think? Yeah, I think think it's pretty interesting. I think uh, this is a way to, you know, what is happening to music and what is happening to how we listen to music in a way. So I remember hearing or reading somewhere, I can't remember where, how songs from like the 30s or 40s, they were kind of like two minutes and 30 seconds because Mm. it was really expensive to record them and they didn't have the technicality to do it. And then the songs from like the 90s were like starting to get around five, six minutes or like the 70s and 80s. And now they're also going back again. They're getting shorter and shorter and shorter. So it's like the same now, around two minutes because there's no, the attention span is way too short and, you know, Artists are literally making songs for TikTok. They're making mm. their, you know, mm. their music for uh, different digital platforms because no one's really sitting down with an album listening. So this is like a really interesting way to see, because it says that Spotify is saying this, uh, this will be a really exclusive way for fans of different artists to go on this island, this Spotify island, listen to music and get merch. So obviously, I'm pretty sure that all these they have they have they had an island called the K Island, it's K K pop island. <laughs> Of course, these K-pop stars will make songs specifically for this island. And how long will they be? Will they be 30 seconds long? Yeah. And will it only be a song specifically made for a Roblox theme of that you're supposed to, you know, what happens to the music video uh, when when albums and songs are dropped in these metaverses, you know? It's really interesting uh, to see where where music (laughs) takes off from here. Yeah, and I actually have a kind of a hot take on this uh, that I want to mention. But obviously, we should mention that uh, uh, our own um, um, Sara Larsson did her own uh, concert in Roblox. Was it last year, last summer? Yeah, it was last year. Yeah, yeah, and she was like stunned by by the amount of people uh, tuning in or or logging on to see her show. It's like a north of three million or something. Obviously, a kind of big crowd for a concert. I, I also think this is, I think it's super fascinating. I don't, I'm not surprised they're doing this. Um, but going kind of back to what we talked about with digital fashion just a moment ago and, and this notion of uh, creating identity online. And mm. I have a, a, a theory that we're going to see the, the kind of like a merge of music uh, entertainment and fashion in these digital worlds. 
and they will probably merge in gaming-like uh, uh, or metaverse-like uh, environments. But because I don't think the new generations coming up distinguish between these three. Uh, I mean, we consider different industries. We talk about mm. them as different entities. Like, mm. uh, you know, f- f- fashion is its own thing. It's where you look, and there's you know, there's obviously been correlations with how you look and the kind of music you like. But it's still like really separate things. Like, mm. but I think with the emergence of what you just mentioned, TikTok, how that sort of you know interconnected the the way that the the music clips is part of the experience of TikTok and there you can see like a fitness video or a fashion video or or something of the likes or uh, clips from upcoming films films are becoming games games are becoming films i see kind of i don't have a name for this and i'm sure other people have talked about it but i think it, it's interesting to explore the fact that as new generations are growing up in these worlds they're not going to distinguish between uh, experiencing a piece of fashion or a piece of music because it's all digital. It's not separated. It all lives in one single experience. And mm. I think the, 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 the fact that Spotify is entering Roblox is a step in that direction. Really interesting. I, I think someone in, I can't remember now, but in the survey that uh, we talked about before, mm. one of the directors of one of the schools uh, talked about ex- this exact same thing, how fashion everything can kind of fall under a fashion umbrella now yeah. that they're telling their their uh, the students how to design this it can't just only be a runway it has to be include all these things because <laughs> wearing a, a digital suit in a game could mean mm. so much and mm. you know like you said you're just enjoying stuff you're not really thinking oh is this music or is this fashion or is this gaming it's just great content mm. that you're taking in all at once i mean maybe i'm stating the obvious here i mean there's there's no shortage of examples of you know, you know, you're seeing Kanye being the creative director of Gap and so forth, and how sort of the you know music and fashion industry are are really inter- getting more and more intertwined. But what I'm what I am seeing, and why this is an interesting example, is the fact that it's actually, you know, kind of <laughs> metaphysically merging in these digital worlds. They're be- they're becoming this, you know, the same experiencing. Uh, mm. the same experience it happens all at once and now the the different stakeholders are merging with each other partnering with each other to try to kind of capture the the new types of experiences that the metaverse will entail all right last but not least we're going to travel to one of our favorite cities here at Scandinavian mind helsinki i was there the other day and uh, amongst other things, visited the launch of the new Pacer Pro from the Finnish uh, wearable uh, tech brand Polar. Iconic wearable tech brand. They're also celebrating uh, 45 years in the industry uh, of wearables. They're kind of the OG of, of uh, uh, <laughs> sort of wearable sports watches. Uh, and they're actually they're celebrating it together with an exhibition of sports tech at the Sports Museum of Finland, uh, which is also located in a, this iconic uh, Olympic stadium in Helsinki, just, just standing outside this beautiful, uh, iconic uh, Olympic stadium. It, it is an experience. So I was there. Uh, um, visiting this exhibition and in the exhibition we saw some of these really cool old 
you know, from 1977, these old sports uh, heart monitoring uh, watches. I showed you a few uh, <laughs> pictures of them to you, Sadine. Uh, I don't know. They, they, you, it's been four to five years. You can't believe it. And they looked really cool. I think we should put one in the show notes. Just like how cool they look. Probably, I would like to go for the retro design if I was to buy one. Yeah, maybe we'll we'll uh, relay that uh, input to the polar guys. Now, <laughs> super fascinating. Obviously, I mean, well, this is a space that obviously has heavy uh, competition from the likes of Apple, uh, oh. Google, who bought Fitbit the other year. Uh, but I think you know, just as a, from a Nordic perspective, we're kind of very proud that that we have Polar and. They are really far ahead in terms of increasing the resolution. Uh, I, I call it resolution. I'm, sure, I'm not sure that's the right term, but they're talking about how uh, with these new devices that are coming out, they're, they're, they can really measure uh, down to the, the single heartbeat uh, of the human being. And uh, you know, they're all about sports and fitness and, and health and how this can help in, you know, instruct uh, the user on uh, when to rest, uh, how to improve their uh, their training, and so forth. So that was really interesting to hear. And I also had the opportunity to speak to Jussi uh, uh, Peltonen. Jussi uh, is a PhD and works as a senior researcher at Polar. Uh, and we're going to hear him talk about the evolution of uh, wearable tech and uh, a little bit about also what what what's in store uh, uh, for the future. So let's just uh, bust right into it and uh, hear uh, Jussi Peltonen from Polar talk about the evolution of uh, wearable technologies. Uh, enjoy. All right, so I'm here with Jussi Peltonen, PhD senior researcher at Polar. Uh, celebrating four to five years of measuring heart rate. Uh, I'm going to go in and talk about your innovations, but to start with, why do we need to measure heart rate? What are the fundamentals? What are the fundamentals? Well, um, um, like I've said, that we, we, all, uh, we all want a healthy heart, and, and to, to, to get that, we, we, we must exercise, we must be active. And, and obviously, um, you can be active uh, without uh, any, any measurement device. But um, for, for many people, the, the, how the technology can help us uh, is, is the way that we can, if we have, let's say we have a training program, which can be, which can be from, from electric program, or it can be from a personal trainer, uh, then with the, with the, with the technology, it allows you to, to see that you are doing what you were intended to do uh, in, in your program. So, so in, in, in my mind, it gives you, uh, uh, takes some pressure from you because then you can be kind of uh, more confident that, that you, are, you are doing what you were supposed to do. And, and I guess the other good thing in te with the technology is that um, what we can track our development and we, have, we can track what we have been doing uh, in, a, in a very easy way. Because if, for example, let's say that um, you, you, have a, you have an injury and, and your doctor or physiotherapist asks you to do what, what, you, what, what you, you have been doing recently and you, you start to memorize and you know, I can't remember. But when, if you have been do, using a kind of a 
fitness tracker. You can just go back to your service and, okay, this is what I have been doing for the last month or last two weeks or whatever period we want to look at. So it's a great uh, tool in, in remembering. Mm. I think that's one of the things, yeah. Well, what you just said there, sort of the extension of technology uh, in human behavior or human lifestyles, that's pretty much what we cover at, at Scandinavian Mind. Um, I mean, Polar has been doing this 45 years, and in this exhibition that we're in right now, uh, this exhibition of, of uh, sports tech, we see some of the oldest devices uh, that Polar has done. Yeah. Really kind of, uh, uh, as you say, you kind of invented a, a new kind of category of, of wearables. Uh, in your research, have you gone, have you used the old machines? Have you gone and looked at that, that technology where it all started? No, unfortunately, I, I haven't been allowed to touch those I th those treasures. I think they are too <laughs> valuable. <laughs> yeah. Okay, but looking at the type of technology that you are, are uh, working with right now, can you give us a peek into uh, the work that you're doing at Polar? What what does it it look like for you guys and your your team? Well, the heart rate technology is um, is one thing that is improving all the time. So if you look at uh, some years back, uh, we, we had to wear a heart rate belt to be able to, to, to get the heart rate. So nowadays, we don't need to. Well, technically, heart rate is, is a different thing that we measure with the optical system. Optical system measures pulse, but, but, but it's close enough. Uh, so that's one of the things that has um, that has um, improved tremendously during the recent years and n now we can measure every single heartbeat for example during the night and that allows us to to enhance the, the, the feedback that we give the customers but then in addition uh, to, to heart rate we the sensors that measure for example movement they are becoming smaller and smaller and less expensive. So maybe, I don't know, I don't have any facts, but uh, just to give you uh, an idea, maybe some years, some motion sensor that was used in a, uh, in a fighter jet and cost like one million, it can be now embedded to these kind of devices. And therefore you can get a, a lot of lot of different uh, uh, new metrics for example in sports you can measure jumps and you can measure the power when you're running when you're accelerating stuff like that mm. I you said that in the presentation I found that very fascinating that you can measure every single heartbeat and it's almost like the resolution is creating much greater if you if you make the analogy to a digital picture or, or something that you can see more detail am I right it is mm. it is the, the problem that we, we have with uh, optical sensor technology is that uh, noise is much, much bigger than with, um, with the heart rate belt, but because the algorithms are getting smarter and smarter and better and better every day, so we, we are able to extract more information from the signal that we measure. And currently we can measure every single heartbeat uh, during the during the night or during the rest during exercise it's still a bit more trickier because mm. there is more noise because there is a lot of movement but uh, it's 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 just uh, improving day after day mm. 
so what can we do with all this new data, all this new sort of uh, granular data of, of the heart rate? Um, you, met, you, you, you mentioned that we can measure our rest, for instance, uh, much more. So yeah. how is this useful for the consumer? Well, of course, consumer doesn't have to know all the details. They can just uh, look at, the, look at the, the feedback. But if we go a little bit into the physiology, so what happens when we exercise is that the heartbeat, our heart beats faster, but it also beats uh, uh, more evenly. So, so to say, the, 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 uh, there's less and less variation between the, between the heartbeats, but the opposite happens when we rest. So the heartbeat, uh, heartbeat get, gets, gets lower and, and it also heart, it beats less uh, evenly. Mm. So, and, and this irregular heartbeat, it, it's a good thing. It's a sign of a healthy heart. And, and that is something that you would, you would want. And now we can measure, for example, that, that during the night and during the sleeps. And, and if you do it correctly, I mean, if you do exercise correctly, it, it, it can facilitate this signature of healthy heart. And, and now, now we can measure if you're doing it. Of course, there, is, there are stresses in your life that we can't measure at the moment, but, uh, but hopefully that is also possible that in the future we can go more into the details. So what, is, what are the things that cause you, you, you stress in life? Because we can, we can record the heart rate basically during the whole 24 hours a day. We can, we can already do it, do it right now. But at, at the moment, we focus on, uh, on exercise and we focus on sleep because sleep is quite a controlled situation and, it's, and, and therefore it's, uh, it's good for the measurement. Mm. Well, obviously, uh, Polar, you, you, you don't already, only provide the uh, actual uh, measurements. You have different services, uh, yeah. interfaces that the consumer can interact with and get this sort of feedback loop on, on their performance and on their body. Uh, do you have some favorites uh, that you use from, from the Polar app? Polar app, yes. Well, my favorite is, is I've already mentioned, I, I look at my nightly recharge. So I mainly look at my ANS charge, which is the autonomic nervous system, because I want to look at how my heart, what is my heartbeat, and what is my heart rate variation. Uh, because I have noticed, for example, that if I, if I drink alcohol, if I watch football late, if I do exercise too late, then my heartbeat is, is faster during the night and then I'm not getting the, the sleep I want. Mm. So that's, what I, that's one of the things I look at, look at early in the morning. Um, then I, the, the other heart rate features that I use uh, every day is our uh, Training Load Pro which uh, uses a heart rate to measure my um, cardio load and because it remembers like it can remember the last 28 days of my exercises so i can i can i can check that every day and see what is the, the state my training load status mm. so if i have been training too much it will warn me uh, sometimes i don't agree with the feedback but often i do because i have noticed that um, it's it's in line with with my uh, subjective feelings and and if I have been training too much I also look at the prediction because the algorithm is also predicting how how the future will look like mm. so I'm also looking at the 
future, how my uh, uh, status looks tomorrow or day after that. And, and when I'm exercising, when I'm running, for example, I, I like to use uh, running power uh, a lot because um, it can, it's, very, it's a great tool during interval training sessions and I use it especially when I'm uh, d doing interval uh, or sprint uh, training sessions um, in, 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 in hills. So I'm running against, um, against uh, slope. So the, the, those are the features that I probably use the most. Can I humor you with, with looking into the future here a bit? I mean, there are many people argue that we are kind of becoming these cyborg creatures. Uh, we're kind of glued to our phones. We become addicted to technology. Technology enhances us in many ways. Uh, we've seen examples of now uh, Elon Musk developing this sort of Neuralink where you uh, are, you know, essentially uh, uh, operate surgically, you know, infusing technology into the bodies. Yeah. Where do you see it going, and, and what are you excited about? You know, like I don't know. You can decide. Ten years, fifteen years. Are there things you're looking forward to, and or perhaps are are scared, uh, scared of? Well, I, I guess I'm optimistic uh, because I'm, I'm not too scared. Of course, there are things we we probably have to discuss. Mm. Uh, and that's fine, but I'm not. I'm not scared. I'm. I'm. More, I'm more excited. What I think is, at a general level, I think um, we will. We have a certain strength, and we have certain weaknesses mm. in 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 a human body. One of the weaknesses is our memory, uh, and already we have uh, solutions like Training Load Pro for that. And then we have a. Uh, weaknesses like sometimes communication can be a little bit problematic and that's what you you refer to when you're mentioning about the Elon Musk's uh, Neuralink uh, so I haven't really thought about what what would be the biggest uh, weaknesses that we have that we are going to solve next uh, but that is something that I'm sure the technology will it will be become part of us maybe even it, it will be embedded uh, to to our bodies and uh, to solve the weaknesses that that we have uh, as human beings and is this any stuff you are researching on today or no unfortunately i can't talk about that <laughs> lips are sealed yes this is senior researcher at polar thank you so much for speaking to me thank you very much All right, that was Jussi Peltonen, senior researcher at Polar, who are launching their new uh, Pacer Pro this week. Uh, obviously, I was in Helsinki also to prepare uh, for our upcoming transformation conference, the second edition happening in Helsinki, uh, end of May, the 31st of May. Invites will be going out uh, next week. Um, it's going to be a, kind of a limited event. This is this new upcoming project. It, it's, it's all about fashion tech and new materials. We're going to talk more about it next week when it's uh, becoming official. But it's going to be a twin event, uh, first edition in Helsinki, 31st of May, second edition in Stockholm, 25th of August. So we're really excited about this. We have some great partners uh, on board, including Helsinki Partners, the city of Helsinki, uh, Stockholm Fashion District, and the uh, Finnish Embassy here in Stockholm. So really happy about that. So be on the lookout. We have a few spots at the Helsinki event. If someone's listening, uh, we might be able to squeeze you in. 
uh, <laughs> always nice to uh, give that as a nugget to our listeners. Uh, I think the last time we did that, people actually came to our, our launch uh, uh, from from the listenership, which, which I really enjoyed. Yeah. All right. This has been the Scandinavian Mind podcast uh, with me, Conrad Olsson and Eric Sedin. Don't forget to sign up to our newsletter. Visit ScandinavianMind.com slash newsletter to stay updated. Uh, until next week, goodbye. See you.